DW. In the morning, it's the most beautiful job in the world because all the birdies and everything you see and creatures and things that you'll see in the early hours of the morning is beautiful. The north coast of Scotland is a wild and beautiful place. The waves crash on its cold shores, the smell of salt and seagulls calling from the sky. And for James McKay, these beaches were his place of work. Now 67 years old, he began work as a salmon netsman in Sutherland when he was just 21. It was hard work, but it was a way of life that he loved. Using their great nets anchored to the shore, McKay and the other bag net fishers would guide the salmon into their traps. These traditional techniques had changed little in centuries. McKay's crew would harvest around 3,000 wild salmon in a season. It was a historical heritage that was going on in the community around for many years. But then, in 2015, citing declining fish stocks, the Scottish government told all salmon netsmen to stop fishing. They have not been permitted to return to work since. McKay, who is the chairman of the Salmon Net Fishing Association of Scotland, says there is the small-scale artisanal fishermen who are unfairly blamed for the salmon's decline. Across the wild salmon's range, in Europe, North America and Asia, the fish's numbers are in trouble. Numerous factors are affecting salmon populations, from overfishing to climate change, from ocean acidification to dammed rivers, as well as a multi-billion dollar salmon farming industry that spreads disease to wild populations. The very survival of the so-called king of fish is now at stake. And when salmon go, so do the cultures that depend on them, from the indigenous people of Alaska to the salmon netsmen of Scotland. I wanted to see what was being done that might still save them. And so one sunny morning, I met up with Edwin Third, operations manager for the River Dee Trust on the banks of the River Dee in Eastern Scotland. We put in our canoes at the village of Aboyne, where the river opens out into a calm pool beneath the bridge. The Dee rises in the Cairngorm Mountains, and from here it flows another 40 kilometres to meet the North Sea at Aberdeen. I think salmon has really rapidly declined in the last 50 years, so from the 60s and 70s, I think they've really declined. And they are like the canary in the mine, so they are an indicator species. So if salmon numbers are going wrong, because they spend roughly half their life in fresh water and half their life at sea, if salmon numbers are going wrong, then it indicates that we've got a problem in fresh water and a problem in the sea. Once, salmon would have swamped this river in massive runs. For thousands of years they've, they've fed us, right through until relatively modern times, people in this area would have relied as part of their diet on salmon. A major factor in decline of salmon in Scotland, as elsewhere, is the degraded habitat. Scotland retains just 4% of its original forest cover. Many people assume Scotland's bare hillsides are how the country always looked, but once much of it would have been forested. The trees were logged many centuries ago, Back then, Third believes that these rivers would have seen an abundance of salmon that we can only dream of today. Thomas Reimken, a professor of biology at the University of Victoria in Canada, was the first scientist to describe the incredibly close connection salmon have to the forests that surround their spawning streams. In the early 90s, he was researching the relationship between black bears and salmon on Canada's west coast 
when he saw how the salmon's nutrients gathered from the oceans were being spread throughout the entire ecosystem. And so I would follow those bears as they moved back into the forest and they would eat what they wanted and they would usually eat a bit of the brain, a bit of the dorsal musculature, and they would leave the rest. And immediately, within the seconds, the crows, flocks of 100 to 200 crows would come and they would basically continue to consume. Reimkin would observe all manner of birds, mammals and insects coming in to feast on the carcasses. Flies laid their eggs in the rotting salmon and maggots broke their bodies down into the soil. And he saw that those nutrients in the soil were feeding the very trees themselves. You know, you're sitting under these giant trees, four metres diameter, etc., and you've got carcass remnants and it smells to the high heaven, you know, because there's the bear smell, the urine smell, the feces, the rotting carcasses, you know, it, it's a bit of an acquired smell, but it just smells rich. And so you're sitting under these giant trees and it's not real rocket science to wonder, huh, you know, it's pretty interesting, you know, this incredible richness here in these giant trees. Taking samples of the tree rings, he could tell which years had had the best salmon runs from how well the trees had grown. The catastrophic declines in salmon, he says, have certainly affected the rest of the ecosystem. That 95% reduction in salmon in California, Washington, Oregon over the last 100 years, right? It hasn't resulted in the forest dying back. But what there is, is ecologically a gradual shift to this different type of community structure where there's fewer insects, less diversity, less fungi, etc., etc. And as important as salmon are for the trees, the trees are perhaps even more crucial for the salmon. Back on the D, and we're paddling through huge estates with huts for anglers to fly fish for salmon down by the water's edge. All caught fish must be released these days. And third explains to me how reforesting will provide critical shade. With Scotland's summers getting hotter and drier, juvenile salmon are being stressed by higher water temperatures. Without this shade, rising river temperatures in coming decades could kill them. We've got 300 kilometres of river really in danger and we need trees in now. We should have actually had trees in 50 years ago, but we didn't have a crystal ball. Insects fall from the trees to the water below. The fallen leaves of trees, rotting in the streams, attract aquatic creatures that the salmon feed on. Their fallen branches provide vital habitat and slow down the river's flow. This helps form the deep, cool pools that salmon need, as well as gathering the gravels required for spawning. So we've planted 87,000 this year. We've planted about 250,000 in the last five years, and we need to plant a million in the next sort of 10 to 15 years to get the sort of start of the coverage that we need. Third, and others, hope that such reforestation can begin to bring the wild salmon back from the brink. Ecosystem restoration can take many forms. Since dams have been removed on the Elwha River in Washington, salmon have returned. And from Sheffield to Paris to Portland, Oregon, salmon have come back when cities have cleaned up their toxic waters. With continued restoration, perhaps one day the great runs of salmon can thrive in Scotland once again. Adam Weymouth for DW on the River Dee, Scotland. DW.